Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome, young adventurers. On today's podcast, I have Sarah Turner. She is known as the Rebel Scientist, and she has an inquisitive mind, and she, her current area of interest is photobiomodulations, that is using specific light devices and sunlight exposure to heal the body and promote optimal functioning. They focus on brain issues. It is a true frontier science. So without any further delay, I'd like to welcome Sarah Turner. Hi, Dean. Hey. Yeah, hey. It's really nice to be here. I'm so glad you could make it. This is awesome. I appreciate it because you are you're in a uh, on the other side of the planet in a whole other time zone. You're currently said in Holland right now. That's right. Yes, I've just landed in the Hague. Awesome. What what brings you out there? Um, I'm working with a red light company that's based in the Hague. They're going to be making a brain device. Uh, so I'm just at the start phase of that, of the development, working with them. So it's it's really cool. Very cool. Uh, so then, yeah, let's let's jump into the the, the photo um, <clears throat> photo biomodulation. Uh, I'd love to. I'd love for you to explain to me uh, a bit of what photo biomodulation is and your particular interest in it. Yeah, it, I know it is a bit of a mouthful of a word, um, <laughs> photobiomodulation. I mean, really, if you break it down, photo just means light, bio for affecting biology, and then modulation because you're actually modulating the biological processes using light. So yeah. it really is just a long word for light therapy or, yeah. you know, how you can use um, light to affect biology. And it's something I've been into for quite a while. I, I was living in California for a while. Uh-huh. And I got involved in the biohacking movement over there. Uh, and in fact, I made a little uh, movie and did some interviewing and got involved in a couple of the events that were going on. And one of the things that really took me was the concept of changing your environment to affect your biology. Mm-hmm. And uh, the most important thing I have discovered and I, I now firmly believe is light. Really, that's you know one of the most important aspects of, of our environment. And and now people are really looking into how you can really go granular into that and how you can actually use light therapy devices to uh, make changes to your biology. And in particular, I'm looking at the brain right now. So how you can use light therapy devices for brain enhancement, which is kind of the biohacker thing, but also for neurodegeneration, TBI, autism, mm. those kinds of things too. It's 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 super interesting and not an area I'm I'm highly familiar with i've had limited experience going around again to a like dave asprey's biohacker conference mm-hmm. and seeing all these different devices and trying them out but more of like voyeuristically curious uh but definitely don't have a lot of the grounds or anything um when you were talking before about light light therapy uh photobiomodulations um is <laughs> is there a spectrum of different types of like like areas okay so there's one for the skin there's one for the brain there's one for this are, are there are there broad stroking areas for light therapy that they kind of fall under same like same thing like therapy there'd be like cognitive behavioral therapy or dialectical behavioral therapy or that kind of stuff is there is there a subsex of these ones because red lights one what are the what are the other ones yes well the different wavelengths of light or wavelengths just means color has mm. different effects on the body because really what you're doing is you're you're exploiting a natural phenomenon because we have all evolved under the sun. So of course our bodies are covered in light receptors, but the sun has a wide range of wavelengths, right? You know, you have red light. We all know you have UV light that can have different effects, production of vitamin D, uh, you know, it can burn the skin and uh, red light can heal the skin. So of course, photobiomodulation is broken down into um, how you're utilizing those different wavelengths, I suppose. So red light therapy is a subsection because, mm. you know, people use blue light like, you know, you might be familiar with, you know, if a baby has jaundice in a hospital, they'll put it in one of those boxes, which is blue light. I'm not. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what they do. That's what they do for jaundice babies. And that's something that's kind of, uh, that's very mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, and people with what? different skin conditions, of course, where, you know, in hospitals, they'll use different lights. 
So some of this stuff, although you may have seen it at Dave Asprey's and it seems yeah. a little bit out there, uh -huh. you know. It, it, it's funny, like any new technology, it's funny. We have a predisposition for thinking that the knowledge that we have in our brain is the best, like the best type of knowledge, you know what I'm saying? And then tendency, or maybe it's just me, have a tendency to poo-poo on other types of, it's like, cause it's like a little out there, a little eclectic, like, like I haven't really ever done acupuncture. And so it seems all weird. And so versus like, I've done chiropractor, so I believe in it. And so like with the light, I haven't done it. I haven't gotten results with it. And so I can't attest to it. So when I see the lights, I, I can't tell, am I, I want to believe, but I also don't want to be like gullibly tricked into like some snake oil type of thing. And I'm not saying that's what it is, but that's just where my mind naturally goes but, into these type of things. Do, so. uh, do you feel better? Like when you go on holiday and you go out in the sun? I do. I mean, uh, I do feel better. Um, and it, it's a it's a confluence of things. I mean, I love the ocean. I love being in the water. Yeah. I love being out there. And I think there's a a mixture of a bunch of good things going on with there. Like I'm supposed to go uh, to Hawaii uh, early July. Um, and I'm gonna go see like on top of Mount Keck, the the, the observatory. And I'm gonna go look at all the stars. And I think that's gonna it's like a new moon. So there's gonna be it's like you're just gonna I'm just gonna get like the purest form of starlight coming down on me. Yeah. And I, and I feel like that's gonna have some sort of psychological, emotional, physiological effect on my body. I don't know what, but I know it's gonna be cool and it's gonna feel good. I just, I can't really, I don't know the science behind any of that stuff, so. Yeah, well, it will have an effect because th this is, you know, this is our whole evolution. We have evolved, you know, in conjunction on this planet with mm -hmm. our sun. And so, you know, like I say, our body is covered in receptors from all different kinds of light. Mm. So, you know, and very obviously, you know, if you go outside in the sun, you tan, you know, because there's an immediate uh, physiological response to that. You increase melanin pigment in your skin and that does all kinds of things. So, no, yes, you no, have a question. No, uh, can, yeah, question, you can tell me, waving my hands around. Uh, people always say that, oh, uh, sunlight causes cancer. Don't go out to the sun. You got to put sunblock on. What's your uh, one thing that I'd be curious about? Because I do like the sun. I do like going out. It, but then I'm like, oh no, cancer. Um, what's your what's your things in terms of going out to get sunlight, but then also preventing the cancer? If you put sunblock on, does that stop you from getting the good stuff as well as the bad stuff, or how does that work? Yeah, well, this is where things get very very interesting, and uh -huh. this is where uh, some more of the quantum biology comes in, or some uh, people who are starting to look at circadian biology, which is really just about time of day, uh -huh. because. At sunrise, the light has different frequencies. It has predominantly red. And, and what researchers are now finding is that red conditions the skin and makes your skin, it changes the skin chemistry so you're better able to deal with the UV when the sun gets to midday. And really, I think, it, you know, people getting all of these cancers and things, it's more of a result of our lifestyle now. You know, we have a very indoor lifestyle. You know, most people don't see the sunrise anymore. But this is not how we've evolved. We've really evolved that you had to get up with sunrise because, you know, there wasn't any light available. So mm. so one of the theories and one that I follow is really that, you know, if you're getting that morning sun, you condition your skin. So when you are actually out in the midday sun, you don't have so much of those harmful effects of the UV light because it's the UV that, that is uh, associated with cancer. So you're talking about, so in, in early morning sunlight, there's less yeah. UV rays that are harmful. So if you go and you get the early morning versus like noonday sun, there's more of a, a, a direct hit of the harmful. It's, it's, it's more intense, kind of like a... Yes, uh, kind of, but it's more than that. It's actually the red light in the sunrise actually preconditions your skin. I mean, this is how clever, oh. we, are, this is how clever we are as humans and we don't even know it, is that it, you can condition your skin change the skin chemistry by seeing that morning sunlight and then you don't suffer the burns. If you go straight out at midday, it's a different story because you haven't preconditioned your body to receive that light. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't park cook it. You didn't park cook your body. You didn't like pre-bake it and get it all ready. Okay, that's so weird. So then you do that, it's it's a warm up, right? It, 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 it's like it's like you don't want to, in the gym, you don't, you don't just full on sprint out the door you warm up and you stretch and you basically send signals to your body. This is where we're going. Same thing like the day, the daytime, you're sending signals to your body that this is where we're headed. Yeah, so exactly. Kind of yeah. The whole thing about sending signal, the whole thing about circadian biology and it's something like I say, it's growing in the field and, yeah. you know, fairly recently, you know, Nobel prizes have been awarded for um, circadian biology and thinking that through, but our bodies actually do all kinds of different things at different times of day. Mm. And so if you, 
if you don't uh, follow those kind of very simple rules, you know, get up with sunrise, you know, eat at certain times of day, go to bed in darkness and, and sleep for a full night. If you don't do that, you can you kind of pay the price from a physiology point of view in that your body's not doing what it was designed to do. Mm. So, so this then, is the kind of also the paleo movement, you know, live like someone who was in Paleolithic times where we weren't didn't have all this electricity and Wi-Fi. You know, the more you can get back to that, because our bodies are still really quite uh, primitive in that sense. I, I totally resonate with that thought process, but I feel like I live two lives. Like half of me is like super high tech, techno, online, VR, that. And the other one loves caveman, fires, primitive, primal foods, cookie, like that type of stuff. And it's like, I kind of like flip between both sides. Like one, I totally agree with you at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here in space yeah. talking with you through here in a very closed room with no light, you know? And so yes, but this is the challenge. Isn't yes. it? This is the challenge of our, of our time. Yes. How can we integrate these two worlds that seem so far apart? You know, how can we do that in a way that is the most beneficial? Because you're right, nobody wants to get rid of all their tech or all their amazing, because it's amazing. The stuff we're doing is totally amazing. But so it's under, if you have an understanding of how your biology works, and I think that's one of the good things about biohacking is that you can utilize some of this technology and which, which is really red light therapy, you know, you're, you're taking that information about the sun, but then you're bringing it into this modern world so that you can enjoy your technology. Yeah. You know, all of those different things. I think that is the challenge. The main challenge is how can we integrate those two worlds? Because we have these bodies that, that we need to respect the biology, but we have these minds that have created this amazing tech and how do we really make the most of that? Yeah. And that's one of the things I've been looking at is like, how do you use technology to kind of reconnect with humanity, yeah. reconnect with nature, reconnect it in, in a way that actually like is symbiotic and not dominating, right? That's like yeah. regenerative farming, regenerative science, that, that type of thing, which is all fascinating areas. And, and we can do it. We just, we do. It's just sometimes it's a, it's a harder, more intentional path to do, to set up. So what about, what about you with like, how do you use sunlight or uh, light in general on a daily basis? What is that? What is, how do you armor up for the day with, with using light? Well, personally, I, I do get up with sunrise. Okay. Um, and I try to make sure that, that, that sunlight is the first light I see before I see any technology. But, you know, so yeah. I try, I mean, here, I mean, yeah. I've been staying mainly in nor Northern Europe with all the lockdowns and everything and you know in the summer that's early you know you you have to get up at like quarter five or something and then in the winter you know you have to stay in bed till like gone nine so it you know it is a lifestyle you have to kind of try and moderate but i think trying I not to see that light at least getting a little bit of nature and you know maybe even a bit of grounding if i'm somewhere where i can stand outside um and then i do try and get you know a good hour of being outside every day but I do utilize all this tech. You know, I have all different kinds of light devices that do all different kinds. You know, I have ones yeah. that I lay on. I have ones for my brain. I have ones that go around my eyes. I have a lot cool. of this stuff to, to help me kind of modulate that light environment as much as I can. Can you, can you just talk to me about uh, trigger response routine? And what I mean by that is, okay, um, I want to use... I want to get more sunlight for, uh, or I want to get more light uh, for the red light. So I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do the red light and I'll pop out. Another one, you're going to do it for brain tissues. And so like, can you talk to me a little bit about like, okay, so I'm going to take this device. And then I like, for example, uh, I know a little bit about, again, I saw at the Dave Asprey conference, some sort of light thing you stuck up someone's nose mm -hmm. and it did a thing. And I looked at it and I'm like, I don't know how many noses that's been in. I'm cool. I don't get it. I got to go. And so, and, and it's totally on me for that one, but like the, 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 there's a couple of these different, can you, so can you talk to me about like, oh, this is what happens. So I use it for this. And then that, this is the result. Yeah. yeah. So getting, getting light into the brain is something, you know, because we, it's fairly easy to get light into the body because you haven't got that much, you know, to get through, but the, the mm -hmm. brain is enclosed in the skull, right? So that's why, you know, a lot of these people try and utilize different ways. Like I have ones that go through the ears, like you say, up the nose, in the mouth, through the eyes. But actually, the skull is fairly transparent to near infrared light. So now you can get quite a few devices. And there's some really good consumer devices. Let's like say I'm just in the middle of developing one, which I hope is going to be really cool. 
But in the meantime, I use one called Nirax, which is a really simple band that just goes mm -hmm. around your head like a little sports band and it puts a near infrared light into your head. You just put it on, works off an app. So that that's one's cool. cool. I do have the nasal ones, but I'm a bit like you. I, you know, that's something you can only do in the privacy of, of your own home. And uh, yeah, I don't need, walk around. What you need is one of those like COVID masks, but it's got the light underneath <laughs> it so people can't see you doing it. Like that's personally, you know, you know a bit a bit better. Um, uh, so then the can you just just break down a little bit of the of the science of the one that goes up your nose? Like how does that work? How does it hit the brain? Like what is it like the the results from that? Yeah, so the, so the, there's a device called V-Light, which is out of um, Toronto in Canada. And Lou mm -hmm. Lim, the guy there who's got that company, he's doing a lot of research uh, into things like TBI and getting some really excellent results, even Alzheimer's. But he also uh, recommends it as something to enhance your cognitive ability. And the way that it does it is by charging the mitochondria in your brain. With one of the ways. So mitochondria is, are like the small organelles that mm. really are responsible for production of energy. Yeah, okay. So, so sticking it up your nose, you know, you've got more chance of getting it to the underside of your brain, which is, you know, has different kinds of effects. Getting the light into, into your head and into your frontal cortex, you know, that, that charges up that area of your brain. I actually think, you know, a lot of it is getting the blood because, you know, there are also light receivers in the blood. And once you get um, Interesting. the blood charged up, you know, that also has an effect. So, you know, to be honest, it's such a young science. At the moment, the mechanisms are still being worked out, although the mitochondria is the main target for research into these things. Okay, so a clean up mitochondria, that means you've got more capacity inside the energy. And so that means you can, you can do more because you have a better functioning batteries. Mitochondria, as I know, it's like little functioning batteries through your body. That's right. Yeah, and so then you can clean that up. Oh, that's super interesting. What, um, so, okay, so look at these technologies and the whole thing. Is there a synergistic effect of stacking these with cold therapy, stacking these with uh, meditation, stacking these with, are there other types of biohacking technologies that have a synergistic effect as they build on top of each other? Yes. Yeah, I think it's always cool to stack your hats, as they say. Stack I mean, if you hacks. think stack your hats. If you think of how it works, you know, like if we're talking about the mitochondria, like you say, it's those uh, little batteries. I mean, what do you do if you know your battery starts running low? You know, you can put it in the fridge and it works a bit better because you're changing that, you know, <laughs> changing the connectivity. You know, and it's the same with people. You know, have a, the ice baths along with the red light therapy. That's so you're funny condense your mitochondria so the batteries charge a bit and then you zap them with the red light so that you're, you know, oh. you're making more enzymes. Yeah. I never thought of my, I never thought the correlations between the cold of the battery going into a fridge and the cold <laughs> of, of you going into the fridge. Get in there, battery. That's super interesting. Yeah. We are just electrical beings. Really, you know, that's how yeah. we work. We work on charge mainly. And so, you know, they call it redox, redu uh, reduction in oxidation reactions cause this charge in the body. And if you can kind of maximize that charge, uh, you're going to have better health all round. So yeah, definitely cold okay. and red light. Cold red light. Mm -hmm. And then sequencing, when you were talking to that, so by the way, I love it. I get up in the morning and normally I'm up at five or six every morning. And then I, I try to go to bed by like 10 at the latest. Like I like, for me, I like that pattern. Um, just cause like I, have, like I have more, I have more time in the morning. I can kind of like have space yes. to do stuff and things. And that's why I think, but I don't have the, the pattern of, um, I, I journal, so I have lights inside here. I don't really go outside because one of the first thing I do is kind of data dump stuff out. And so I was right. like, like, how do I sync that up? And then the other thing that you said that was making me think of, okay, how does this all work together was looking at, you talk about eating patterns. And that's one thing I'm trying to figure out because I like green drinks and I but I can't do it worrying about I heard you're not supposed to eat the whole day. And so right now I'm having like a coffee and I have this like crazy challenge thing I'm teaching this whole week. Um, and so I've just have like no time. And so like, I've just been having coffee and uh, full disclosure, sugar, be sugar-free Red Bull. And then like a meal at the end of the night. And that's been like my go. What is the, what is a good pattern for eating to have a, a positive synergistic effect with all these other kinds of hacks? Well, eating is such a contentious thing, isn't it? Because there are so many different diets and everybody's convinced that their diet is the best one. Actually, I did do a nutrition degree. 
And I have to say, I've thrown a lot of that out, that learning, <laughs> since doing all the biohacking, yeah. uh, because I think there's so much more new information. I mean, I actually follow a fairly uh, low-carb, high-fat diet myself, nice. because I think, and, and you know, and I try and front load my day. So I try and have a big breakfast because, you know, this that's when your body needs to get going, you know, mm -hmm. protein and fat for breakfast. Uh, so you, usually like eggs and butter and. Yes, yes. <laughs> the eggs and butter, I'll take it. I love eggs. I live off eggs. I'm a master of the over easy egg. I'll, I will, I will nail that all day. I'll lick the plate. Now that I grow a beard, it kind of gets in my beard a little bit, but I'm trying to. I need, I need to get something for that problem. Maybe someone can make a, a, a fun contraption. But so butter and eggs, I love it. Yeah. And then and then do you do do you do green drinks or any types of health? Like how do you get your nutrition into your system? Yeah, so I eat a lot of um, vegetables. I mean, I actually have just started going a bit more uh, ketogenic, which is where you have no carbs at all. But I, I'm not quite there yet, so I'm trying yeah. to slowly, slowly get the carbs right down, just as an experiment, really, because there's a lot of data coming out now about the link between ketogenic diets and, and brain function. So really I'm all about the brain, you know, I'm just obsessing about the brain and I just try and do everything to keep my brain good. So you you can certainly get a lot of nutrients if you're eating lots and lots of green vegetables and lots of, you know, like cabbage, mm. family, broccoli, cauliflower, all of those kinds of things and no carbs. But I think for most people, like just doing low carbs, no processed food, I mean, that that's such an easy thing, you know, get rid of all the red bulls and the fizzy pops uh <laughs> because that's not good for you and charge your body with you know healthy fats avocados nuts you know yeah. that kind of thing theoretically i agree with you in theory i completely yeah. agree with you so I and I, I i love avocados we have an avocado tree in the backyard and it's oh, just starting to bud and it's like avocados are my favorite it's it's awesome avocados and eggs are like where i live and so um that's my that's my jimmy jam um what um so are there any non-intuitive things that you can do for the brain so we have sleep right we have um uh, uh sunlight or light exposure what are other things that you can do for brain health because i i love taking care of my brain that's one of the things like i try to cultivate more than anything it's brains and emotions and that type of stuff so what is there any non-obvious non-intuitive things that people can do for brain health or brain function well, there's a lot of very, very interesting neurotech that's coming out right now. You know, for people who are kind of into the techie side, like yeah. you said, you love your tech side. But, yeah. but there are lots of different devices that are coming out now that do all kinds of things. Um, and a lot around monitoring, because I think part of the thing about when you're doing these different things is to know if it's having an effect. Mm. So um, I've got an aura ring on. So I monitor my sleep, I monitor my heart rate variability. So then I can see, okay, if I'm doing these things, are they having an effect? Mm -hmm. And then I also have a Muse band, which is a band that you put around your head and it tracks your brain waves. Yeah. And it gives you information about your brain waves and it actually helps you to uh, get into a meditative state or to calm down or to focus, which of course we all know we should be meditating and, and you know, that's not an easy thing to just do. But some of these new gadgets are really helpful to one, to, to know where you're at, yeah. have a baseline, and two, to just kind of encourage you to take those steps to do those kinds of things. What I like about that is, so one of the things I really believe that we're doing, I have, a, I have, I have lots of weird random theories. We'll just put that aside. But one of the ones is I, I, think, we're, I think we're gamifying the world, right? And, I, and I, one of the mm -hmm. things I think the way we're doing that is in, in social virtual reality, which is a whole different long conversation about stuff and things. But in real life, it's being able to take the unseen bio, the unseen feedback and be able to get that feedback to you. So you have this gamified loop pattern, right? And so you're talking about the Muse headband, um, which mm -hmm. it, which you, you do it and you meditate. And I've, I've had the Muse headband. Um, and then when you get really good with the meditations, you start to hear like birds chirping, but then you hear the birds chirping and then it knocks you out because you recognize that you're hearing the birds chirping. And then that like, that critical mind comes in and knocks the flow mind off and you're like, oh, and so like, you've got to like be aware, but not aware, which is super weird. Um, and like, what, what game loop patterns do you do with these biofeedback devices? Cause you talked about one, you have an aura ring. So you go to yeah. bed, you wake up, you see how that performs and then you tweak some things and you, like go to bed, wake up again um, and try that again. 
um, which is which is super super cool. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll mention a little bit of my experience with the aura ring I had. I haven't worn it in a. It's somewhere. I lost it. <laughs> I, I don't know where it is. It's somewhere. It's a it's the old big bulky one. Um, but right. but what other uh so biofeedback ring for that one? The Muse for meditation. Yeah. Uh, what other games or game of games do you play with these biofeedback devices? Um, that that um that you do on like a daily or weekly basis that's fun yeah well see i don't have too many i used to have a lot more of these gadgets that like you say were gamified i used to have one called, um what was it called the m wave that was asses assessing your um heart to brain connection and that was cool you know it was like a, you had to focus on the connection between your brain and your heart because there's a, a lot of theories now that there is a coherence between brain and heart and if if that comes out of sync that can lead to a lot of emotional issues it's actually heart math you might have heard of them there in boulder creek in california i've heard of heart math i like i've heard like heart math i've actually met someone who's at heart math but All i right. don't fully uh, heart and brain coherence how do you get them to sync up like what is the what what is the syncing up what does that mean i i know a really cool meditation that syncs them up to a degree um um but it, uh, but I don't really know any of the sciencey bits or any of the things of like, what does that mean? How do you get them in sync? How do you, that kind yeah. of stuff? Like, I don't it's, know anything about that. It's mainly connected by the breath because you have a lot of, you have a lot of nerves actually that are going from your heart to your brain and vice versa. You know, there's, there's communication both ways. And, you know, the vagus nerve is one of the major forms of communication. And in the vagus nerve, you have all kinds of different nodes that are actually, you know, when you modulate your breath you can actually affect that communication both ways so this gadget that i used to have and maybe they've even updated it was one where you could have a little diode on your finger and, and then it would assess this connection and then it had a picture that was black and white but you could make it color by syncing your breath with your heartbeat super cool which was great but i mean like, i'm a bit like you i had so many of these gadgets <laughs> like where you know, is it <laughs> we got all of them and that one went out the window a bit because now i do a lot of yoga and that's you know i do a lot of breath right there so i don't feel like i need that gadget but it, it was cool for a while yeah. i liked it when it first yeah. came out i had to do a bunch of uh i had to work uh, a bunch of vr work for like this nonprofit, and i had to fly from california to new orleans to work this nonprofit. then i went to florida to visit family and I was like, and I brought my Vitamixer with me and I bought it on the plane because I wanted to like, I didn't want to lose it. And then I like, kept opening up my, my personal, like, like, what is this? And I'm yes. like, I need to have my green drink, man. Like you don't understand. And like, I don't want to lose it and I don't want to like, pay for it. So, so, um, uh, it's really interesting because I'm very fascinated with the vagus nerve and the autonomic and, yes. uh, systems. And I believe that like one of my theories is that we're thinking people think that we're thinking machines that feel but we're really feeling machines that think and what we really truly are it's not the brain necessarily that that is the thing that feels everything it's the vagus nerve that is who we are in terms of the feeling like if we stripped away all of the essence of everything we're basically this feeling thing that is a vagus nerve that's moving through in the vagus nerve it connects the eyeballs into the brains into the lungs into the heart into the gut and i believe to the the genitals and it connects all the way through the system and so it it is the thing that when you get the feelings you get the good feelings you get the bad feelings you get all the different feelings it's the vagus nerve it's your feelings and that thing right there. And so for me, I've always been curious about how to regulate the vagus nerve. And so when you said that, and you're talking about the, the, the connection between the breath is basically you taking active control, like the steering wheel of the vagus nerve to connect the heart and the brain. That made a lot of sense to me. Do you have thoughts around the vagus nerves and the autonomic nervous system and, and that type of like integration? Yeah, and that's why I'm making this new brain device, but I'm going to make it so that you have a pad that goes over your abdomen specifically to target the, the vagal nerve there. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you have a heart-brain connection, but you also have a very strong gut-brain connection. And this is, again, something that's coming out in research is this whole thing about that a lot of neurodegeneration starts in the gut. And you yeah. have this communication, especially with your microbiome. Again, that's something that's very interesting because... You say that we are this feeling thing, but we are also the sum of all of the bacteria and other things that are in the, in our bodies that are also have their own agenda and they're doing their own thing because the vagus nerve 
carries all that information, you know, the bacteria putting out byproducts, they're putting out light, actually, mm. bacteria. So when you're having this, like you say, feeling, it, it's, it's, they call it the holobion. It's not just you as in, you know, Dylan, it's you and all of the other organisms. Holobiome? Holobiome? Yeah, that's like the collection, the whole collection of all of the bugs, bacteria, <laughs> fungus, everything that makes up us. Because, you know, we're, we're less human cells. I mean, we're actually, if you did it, we're, we've got more bacterial cells than human cells. Don't creep me out. I'm just getting all scratchy. I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I am. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to yeah, get more uh, feedback on how does that gut interaction, what it sounds like is like you're voting, like every spot's voting, your brain's voting, and then your heart's voting, and your stomach's voting, and everyone's voting, like this is how we feel today, and everyone kind of antes up what they've got. I, you know, I have a hard time understanding like the gut, but I've done certain things to clear out the systems, and I've done other things where I like, like I, I've done like um, dietas for like when I went to go do ayahuasca in Peru and all that stuff, and so for a month I had nothing, just, just not like, there was like, it was nothing. It was green drink and eggs. And that was it pretty much for like a month. And it was, it was a very interesting sensation. And it was, it was cool. Um, and I've done other things where I've had to like, uh, like poop in a bag for Viome and kind of get that data back. And I saw I had a little bit of a leaky gut. So I started drinking some bone broth and stuff like that to kind of coagulate yeah. it. And, but I, but other than that, like I couldn't really understand anything else from the Viome. It was like, it was years ago when they did this. So I'm sure it's gotten better, but how do you, how do people understand they get, Good, good, good gut health. What do they do to the systems? What, what do they put into it? How do you measure that? Is there other things besides Viome that you can use? Um, you talked about the, the the device that you're building. Is that sync up with that? What are your thoughts around that? Well, that's really just to put light in. Is to put light in because oh. because mitochondria, as we said, are the main things that respond to light. And actually, mitochondria are, are bacteria that were absorbed into our cells a long, long time ago. So they are almost like interesting bacteria in a way. You know they they behave in a similar way yeah. so with so our bodies you know like even if you were just having your diet of just eggs or whatever you'd still have you know masses of bacteria but maybe different ones and maybe that you know maybe that did give you a different experience because like you say we have all of the these bugs inside us with their own agenda you know how aware are we of that you know how aware are you if you have a really bad gut that maybe you're not making the decisions you know maybe the bacteria in there you know because they feed on sugar they're demanding sugar are you craving sugar is it you or is it your gut so you know I think having an awareness of that and really trying to take care of your gut health but you're right I did you biome which I think they went under so I all my no. data has gone from that so now no. I just uh, yeah but there are companies of course that do it but I think you can pretty much tell if you've got a healthy gut you know all the different yeah. symptoms that, that go with that yeah looking like bone broth is a brilliant one actually i've got a big thing of bone broth here i make my own bone broth i, I oh, think nice what can you do to nourish your yeah. gut? and i think you know unless you're totally unaware you kind of know if you've got something if you really want to get into the fine detail then yeah there's all kinds of omnus i think is one that does a really good gut test from the uk omnus omnus i think o m MOS. That's one that I was talking to a guy there, and he has a very like he analyzes absolutely every part. But unless, of course, you're a microbiologist, you're not going to know yeah. which species of bacteria. So I think really to keep it simple, you just want to check okay. symptoms. Okay, check symptoms. Look at your poop. See how's it going. Yeah, and see the bloat. You know what's going I just, on. Yeah, I just I just do that for fun. You know, As I, they, call, they call they call it shits and giggles. You know, but uh, no, really. Uh, what your light thing you're talking about right now? You're talking about putting on the stomach of the gut. Would that have an effect on pregnancy? Like if a baby's growing in the gut, or a baby's growing in the in the stomach for a woman, and you put that thing on, there would be positive effects to put light on a on a, on a fetus growing in the stomach. I I don't know. I my my best friend, he's got a a, a very pregnant wife right now. Um, and that's just top of mind is would it have positive negative unknown effects um well of course i can't give any medical advice because i'm certainly not a doctor but but either am i no, no medical point, advice from anybody here no no medical advice but from a biology point of view yeah of course the light is going to go straight into the fetus too because the light pen like i say we're very transparent to red and near infrared light so the light is going to go straight through and 
you know you wouldn't tell someone not to go out in the sunshine you know you'll get you are everybody's getting the light goes straight through you're going to get that anyway but whether you would use concentrated red light if you were pregnant maybe not but it will affect the, the baby's mitochondria and it will charge the mitochondria the same as the mum so it, it, yes yeah I, I wouldn't advise it because you, the, the effects are unknown but i think probably it's going to have the same biological effects as it would to anyone else which is you know, increased mitochondria, increased blood flow, okay. signaling epigenetic changes. I'll I'll, I'll uh, pass that non-doctoral advice <laughs> along yes. uh, along to her. Um, shifting gears, I want to talk a little bit about the fact that you do some scientific um, research and writing for sci-fi, and there's things that you're going along called the the uh, heroine's journey. And I would, and then how it's, and I would love for you to talk a little bit about that and how it's different from the hero's journey. I'm super fascinated, um, and I don't know, so I would love to learn. Yeah, well, it's funny because when we had a little brief discussion before, and I was telling you about this sci-fi, and and then because of course your podcast is all about uh, heroes, and and of course I'm very mm -hmm. familiar with the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I was given this task of doing the research for the sci-fi, mainly the science, but also the protagonist is a female character. And so the producers said, can you please look into the heroine's journey? And, and it's something that I hadn't actually looked at too much before. It's actually a lady, I think her name is Maureen, Maureen Murdoch, who's written this thing about the heroine's journey. She's actually a psychotherapist. So she's, she's kind of coming from a more psychological point of view. Mm -hmm. But it does make sense, you know, there are differences between men and women, there are biological differences. Sure. And, and of course, journeys are going to be different for men and women. And, you know, you have your typical hero's journey where, you know, you set out, you meet the monsters, defeat the monsters, fall yeah. down, come back up, you know, yeah. return to home. And I thought it was quite interesting because I read uh, that actually Joseph Campbell, when he was asked about it, said, well, women don't go on adventures because they're always home. <laughs> You know, they're there at the end. <laughs> yeah, it's such a dated. All right, what about Joan of Arc? You got anything for yeah. that one? You know, no, she doesn't do anything. She, just, uh, she didn't do nothing. No, okay. She just just kind of it. <laughs> but yeah, so, so you know, but I, so yeah, the, the heroine's journey is yeah. interesting. And also, of course, I'm a biology geek. So I was thinking, yeah, of course, and the way women respond to stress is different, you know, because yeah. we have this, you know, men, fight or flight you know that's the stress response but actually for women it's more tend and befriend you know if you're faced with some kind of something that you need to confront women yeah. will respond in a different way because yeah. usually women are the caregivers in you know to in a typical society and i'm not by any means saying that all women have to be caregivers but i'm just saying there are different roles that that, that a lot of women may take and there are different biological responses so the heroine's journey is more is more like the kind of you're starting off you're joined up with the masculine and then you go through of course all the different plots of courses on your monsters and ogres and whatever you're going to do in the story but you kind of come back to understanding the feminine and then there's some kind of harmony at the end you know you're join, joining the masculine and feminine together and that's the way we kind of did this plot it's that uh, interesting okay so then like one of the things and again here's a uh 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 men and women are are equal they're just not the same so we'll just i want to get that out and explain and say like look we 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 there's there's not one that men are better women are better it's, it's not about that but we we are different we are different with certain things that i i can do this i can grow this beard you probably struggle you know what i'm yeah. saying you grow hair up here i don't so like, you know what I'm saying? Like we got different, we got different things that we, we struggle with, we do well with. It's not, it doesn't make it good or bad, but I, but I want to get that out of the way so we can talk about this and from a real standpoint, because you're talking about the way women respond in situations are different. So it sounds like for a woman's journey, there's generally a man who's like, come with me on this adventure. I'm going to go this way, leave your friends and family, uh, uh, come with me to get married, kids, whatever, start a business, whatever that thing might be. And so then she leaves to go with the gentleman on the, on the journey. And along the way, she's 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 fighting and she's supporting in her own way. Tend and befriend is, I think, what you said along that path. And there'll still be struggles yeah. and strifes and things and monsters along the way. But she's more of that role of the like, the like, 
empathy connection thing? And I don't, I'm not speaking out of turn. I'm just trying to understand this better. Well, a lot of the stories now have the women as the main lead in the story, like not, you know, on their own, totally on their own sure. journey. Because, yeah. of course, there are a lot of stories, you know, where the women are going along with, with the male counterpart. But I think for a lot that women are off totally on their own adventures. And I'm sure that, that we could probably cite a lot of films where you have that trajectory, like uh, Hunger Games or something, you know, where you have a total female protagonist mm. and she's totally doing everything herself. But what I meant with the tender befriend thing was really like from a stress point of view, you know, if you're dealing with something that's coming at you, it's a very male thing to fight or flight. You know, that's mm. the response. But for women, uh, it, the response is more to kind of rally the troops, find mm. allies in, in the struggle because, you know, that's from a biology point of view. And this was something that was um, actually a lady named Sue Carter and she was looking at uh, rodents, I believe, you know, she was looking at different kinds of mammals, but we're all, we are mammals and we have this kind of similar drives. So that's why I kind of like this heroine's journey. I don't think it has to be a different story. I don't think it has to be a, a woman going off with a man. I think she can have her own journey, but I think it's just appreciating, like you say, appreciating the differences mm -hmm. and acknowledging that for women, they're going to be different trials and tribulations. Maybe the starting point is different because already for a woman going out on your own to a, an adventure, it has a different vibe, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely different. I mean, and there's not to take away from any women doing I mean, look at Oprah. Woo! I mean, that girl's yeah. like, uh, that, she's got a crazy hero, heroine's journey, been able to do crazy stuff. So like, and there's a a litany of other other women that have done that type of thing. Well, I was just trying to understand the difference between the heroine's journey and the hero's journey. And it seems like it's more about their response to stress and and how they and how they overcome challenges, at least in, yeah, in a certain way. More, that's probably more my take on it. The, okay. the Maureen Murdoch's take is more that the women maybe start off from a different point and you you're trying to be more masculine in your way of dealing with things. Then you have this split off to the feminine, and at the end you have this coming together like a, a more harmonious join of male and female energies. That's I think that's more her thing, and she was more of a psychoanalyst, and she was investigating, you know, why women, you know, how they respond psychologically. Yeah, my thing is the tend to be friend thing because that's just how I think about it. Because I always bring in some crazy biology thing, but yeah, I think. I mean, people can look it up. It's very interesting. Yeah. And it's in, like you say, for even historically, it's interesting to see people's responses at the time. And oh, now yeah. you can see the, dip, you know, I mean, I must admit, whenever I was reading a book, I always identified with the hero. It didn't even cross my mind that you'd need a different heroine's journey. Yeah. Well, it does make sense, though, that like there's women or men or even personality types, right? I mean, there's, you could, you could subsect yeah. this type of thing and say, okay, uh, a, a woman that's a protagonist or a male that's an advocate. If you look at like the 16 <laughs> personality types, right? They're gonna have their, you know, it's, it's different things like, like you're talking, it's almost like uh, you're talking about the, the voting of the body. You have your brain, you have your heart, you have your gut. You're like, okay, well, you're female. So there's certain attributes. There's raised your certain way. There's certain nature versus nurture coming together in a format that when you go across the, ch the journey, you're gonna respond to it in a unique way that is, um, for you right and for yes. your personality and everything else so it's it's super interesting stuff so when you're talking about doing the research for these sci-fi films and you're and you're plotting all those things out i mean are you looking five years out or ten years out or how do you can you talk to me a little bit about your process of research and how you kind of structure these um uh uh fanciful technologies that don't quite exist yet. I'd love to learn a little bit about that, that ideation process. Well, I've been very fortunate in that I have like traveled to a lot of places, you know, and, and spent some time with people who are doing very frontier or alternative research for various reasons. You know, I have an interest in, in alternative medicines. So, yeah. you know, some of those things can be way out and the science there is, you know, it's, you really do have to chuck out, you know, the science that you know and try and put your head in a different place. So I'm very fortunate that I have met a lot of very, very interesting people doing very interesting science. So a lot of times I'm just drawing on my experience of these things. You know, I've been to India and I've done aura visualizations and there, you know, they're talking very seriously about 
auras that are coming off photographing it, different machines and gadgets. And, you know, it's, some of it's based on light, which is even better, and the gas that's discharged from the body. So I can bring in a lot of my own experience, actually, so far into the sci-fi. And, and, and so far, that's been enough. You know, even that, some people say, well, no, that's a bit way out. And I'm like, no, well, no. <laughs> That's really I, I have you been to India? Yeah, that's have you been? Yeah, you've been to India, you've been to California. These that's, things are really going on. So that's super yeah. fascinating. And so then, so then you do, so all that's it, it, it's, it's all fascinating stuff. And then talk to me a little bit about your work with the Light Tree Ventures and being a scientific advisor. How does that all, how does that all tie together with all the background and stuff that you're doing there? So that, so yeah, that's my current project where I'm developing this this kind of gut brain device, the the neurotech device. So they're, they're a company that are used to making light devices. So it's a really happy marriage in that they have factories and they have engineers and they have marketeers, and then I can bring the science piece to that. Um, and then they also have a lot of other devices that I kind of advise on. You know, what if we made a light device that did this? You know, that so many people have ideas now you can you know shine light into so many places what biological effect would it have what kind of wattage do you need yes. you know that kind of thing so oh. that that's really where I'm at which is such a nice place to be because I have let's say I've studied neuroscience I've studied nutrition I've studied yeah. psychology and biology so I can bring all that together uh, with this company and then uh, help them to develop devices that are actually going to do what people want them to do that's awesome. The uh, it, it, it's funny how like there's a kind of an amalgamations of different skills that you've picked up over time that seemingly don't go together, but then you put them together in a unique format, and you're like, it produces a, a unique value set that you weren't expecting before, which is like you know the the different areas of your interest, which is which is really cool to see. Um, scientific advisor just sounds fun. I just picture with like yeah. a white lab oh, coat, uh, possibly a, a smoking device, even though it's terrible for you. But like it's just just picturing the same. Um, what uh. What are your thoughts going into the, the the edges of things here? We're gonna go just a, we're gonna go a little fringy here for a hot second. Do you believe that consciousness comes from within, or do you think we are an antenna and we're getting it from without? What do you feel in terms of creativity, innovation, insights? Are we are we just a meat vessel that when we die we're done? That's it. Or do you feel like we're connected to something else or to all the people around us into some sort of like hollow system? Well. I have spent a long time thinking about this and I have driven myself a little crazy thinking about it, which I'm sure you have too. Yeah. But where I've got to now is I like this idea of panpsychism in that, you know, and everything has some kind of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So a proto consciousness. And I think um, I like the idea of Hammeroff and Penrose who have this idea that the brain kind of is in a quantum state almost and we channeling consciousness through. So in a way, everything is the same everything is consciousness we we are just experiencing that part of it and we're mm. experiencing it like in the moment but you know so's that plant you know so's, so's that so's, dog yeah. so's that cat you know it, but just at different levels depending on the machinery that we have but really everything is the same almost like you know it's like one piece of paper just with little ripples in it here and there you know that's you that's me that's that but ultimately it's it's the same with it's the same substrate underneath that's kind of where i've got to so we're all connected under some unified system that we can't see does that mean that we're living in the matrix do you think this is real real reality or do you think we're in some sort of some sort of uh uh giant uh universal game that we're being played a big hologram yeah big a big well, hologram <laughs> It's totally possible, isn't it? Yeah. It's totally within the realms of possibility. Yeah. I I think that probably th this is reality, but I think it's probably nothing like that we think it is because we're just so limited in our measurement tools. You know, we have eyes and ears. You know, it, it's so ridiculous compared to everything that's out there. If you think of all the range of frequencies, electromagnetic waves, and we can only really experience such a tiny, tiny part of that spectrum. Uh, so I think, you know, out there, there's a huge sea of waves, frequencies, vibrations, matter, non-matter, but, but we just experience this little bit, you know, like a goldfish in a bowl. It thinks that that's the whole world because that is 
but it doesn't realize that there's something on the outside and i think that's probably where we're at i think we are just so so unaware of so much that it's very difficult to see the bigger picture yeah yeah it reminds me of plato's cave the, uh -huh. the philosophy that you know you're tied under you're tied to a you're tied down and all you can see is people going past the cave you can't see that but you see the shadows on the walls and you think those shadows are the real real people that's right you know, you're looking the wrong way basically yeah. You're looking at, you don't have the right data you just see oh that's that but it's not that it's like as if i look at i look at sarah turner it's like oh she's a, a woman with blonde hair and that's like oh actually no she's a she's a she's a connection point to the divine that is connected to all the cosmos that we're she is one arm of the plant in the tree that i'm connected to and we are all connected in this 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 global system that we just can't see or touch but we just feel so yeah it's it's it's, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to to look into um if if you could wave like a magic wand and get everybody in the next couple of years to do stuff and things, right? To get to get them to uh, get into certain technologies or do certain patterns or habits or things like that, what would you love for this this world, this planet, to be able to do? Well, right now, I I think I'm one of my crusades is is to is kind of personal responsibility for like immunity and well-being you know i think at the moment we're in a place where people a lot of people have don't have this sense that they need to take care of themselves to do anything but you're right if we are part of this one divine then you know taking care of ourselves is taking care of everyone and everything yeah so i think really taking responsibility and i think it i think this has really been pushed home to me since the whole covid thing because you know there are so many people who are so in fear about this thing or you know waiting for someone to you know waiting for the vaccine or waiting for a doctor or waiting for their prime minister or waiting for the president to tell them what to do instead of taking responsibility and i think this year has really made me realize we re really people really do need to own that you know own your health own your happiness yeah. because we are all connected yeah. and by doing that you know that's how we can raise everything up so i think yeah that's the that's really what I would wish for because it's in people's grasp to do yeah. that. So it's almost like, um, uh, if I was to reflect back, is you want people that basically have personal autonomy and responsibility for the health and wellness, not only themselves, for other people in their life, to let them be the basically the hero of their own story or the player of their own game, to take charge and say, okay, there's not going to be a white knight coming in to save me. I'm going to save myself. In fact, I'm going to save myself. I can save the people around me by taking care of myself and taking care around the people around me. It's that active engagement in life versus waiting, hoping that someone else will solve the problem. You go out and solve it kind of thing. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, there's so many things people can do now to, to kind of take responsibility for their health, you know, instead of, you know, passing that on to someone else or waiting to do it mm -hmm. next week, you know. Very simple things, you know. We haven't talked about anything really, really difficult. Grounding, sunlight, good food. Yeah. You know, watching what you eat, watching how you think, kind of have some meditation, think about the bigger picture. Really just those things have a massive effect on yourself, yeah. which in turn has an effect on everybody else. You know, very simple things, but but then you know, you're in a position of power rather than you know, waiting for the next vaccine or waiting for the next cure or waiting for a remedy, you know. Simple, simple, not easy. Simple, sim yeah. Simple, <laughs> yeah. not easy. It was like, it's like, well, how do you, how do you be healthy? It's real easy. Diet and exercise, no package of processed food. It just, and you know, meditate every day. It's like, it's, it's, it's simple, but getting people to get past themselves, their habits, the momentum that they have on their lives and the patterns that keep them, it's, 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 a, it's a challenge because they're, they're stuck in a loop, right? This, this karmic cul-de-sac of going around in circles and trying to yeah. get them to jump to those next steps is like they're, they're, gonna, they're fighting themselves on that, on that journey. So I do agree with you entirely. But as I struggle with my own intake of sugar-free sugar Red Bulls on this round uh, for while I'm sprinting through this thing, um, I, I go, yes, I know I should but I really want energy when I'm trying to do this thing. And it's a, it's a hack. It's a, it's a total hack on the system. And I know when I get rid of that stuff and I do a cleansing period, overall, my capacity feels better, but I'm just kind of like, you know, like, all right, body, I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna hack the system real quick and just <laughs> dump in way too much stuff. Okay. And I'm oh, like, okay, brilliant. let's go. Right. And you go into it. So it's, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm proud of it, but it's just, but it is something that we fight we, against. We right? all have little shortcuts. <laughs> and we all have little hacks. 
but that is like the hero's journey, isn't it? You're coming up against the Red Bull monster. You know, you have to deal with it. How are you going to get round it? The Red Bull monster. <laughs> no, don't succumb. Come drink me. I give you energy. Yeah, the first one's free. Yeah, no, totally. Um, what do you think is, like, talking about this, um, so that's the that's the goal. It's the big wish and dream to have everybody get this self-autonomy, this freedom to be the hero of their own health journey along this path. What do you think is the big dragon, the big thing that's going to prevent you or prevent other people from being able to 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 achieve this? Like, what do you what do you think is the big thing stopping us um, from achieving this kind of big dream, big vision, holy grail moment? Well, I don't know. I mean, like I say, my my judgments are very colored by the past year because, it, you know, it's been a very strange year for everybody. And it's made me realize a lot of things. And one of the things is like influence of the media, you know. If you have like this really heavy, you know, fear-based media coming down on a lot of people, you know, that, that's a difficult hurdle for people to get over sometimes because, you know, we are, we are kind of tribal pack animals. We want to fit in with the pack. That's, you know, part of what, what we are as a species. Yeah. So it's very difficult to go against that, you know, when you have all these big media like trying to put on a message that you do need something, you need to wait, mm. you need to stay in, you need this, whatever it is. So I think that's a big thing to overcome. And and it's a generation, you know, people need to think about how they're consuming things like news and media and information and who do you listen to and where do you get good information? How do you tune out the noise? Yeah. And, and how do you teach your children to tune out the noise? You know, I have two small nephews, and they sort of come home and they kind of say to me, you know, something they've heard in the news. And I said, well, is that really, you know, is that really true? Is yeah. that, you know, that's true. Is there anywhere else we can find some information? Yeah. To, you know, but, you know, so teaching children how to find good information, putting out good information, having good podcasts where people can get good information. I think that the main challenge really is that, for my yeah. mind, is, yeah, well, how to get the information you need. What's interesting is it almost made me think about like a new concept is around. Um, so mindfulness is being aware of your mind and what's going on. And then, you know, it's, 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 under, it's being aware and then being able to take, you know, um, uh, intentional action, right? That's mindfulness, right? And what you're almost describing to me is almost this social meta mindfulness, not only being mindful of yourself, being mindful of all the inputs that people are actually putting into you. And being aware of that, yeah. so it's, it's not—it's not just mindfulness on the individual level. It's mindfulness on the social level, right? And and yeah. understanding all of those inputs and understanding all of the influences, right? So mindfulness, my guts feelness, my brain feelness, my heart feelness. I think this is kind of like a new—maybe uh, it's not a new concept, but just my what I'm just thinking of it is just this social mindfulness where you get in, you be aware of the influences that this global ecosystem and you as a as a giant connected organism has on your individual self. Which is uh... totally, totally, and I think you know there are more. It's it's harder and harder the more kind of advanced technology gets because, of course, you know everyone who's got a social media platform wants uh. you to spend longer on their platform. You know, we've all seen Social Dilemma movie, you know, where you can see how people are being manipulated in a way to think a certain way. And mm -hmm. and I don't think it. I'm not a conspiracy theorist in that. I think it all comes from some place of malice. I think it's just humans. You know, they humans. just yeah, it's just humans. They just Everyone's got an agenda. Businesses want to make money. But you're right. Trying to be aware of, uh, you know, is that opinion your opinion? You know, do you really believe that? Do you want to look at another news source? Do you need to take that information in? Do you need to spend all that time, yeah. you know, scrolling on different websites that maybe aren't giving you the right information sources? And I think, like I say, it's, it's harder and harder because, of course, all of these companies have psychologists now, you know, deliberately deliberately designed to manipulate the way that you're thinking and, and bias, you know, what you're doing. People need yeah. to get votes. People need to get paid. Yeah. So I think that's, it's, it's a total minefield and probably the biggest barrier to kind of that, you know, people really being able to step into that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's part of it, you know, and there's good and bad, you know, I'm sure there's tech that also helps you to. Of course. Well, it's clearly. Just, so, so yeah, it's. Yeah, it's out there. That's great. Well, so, um, this is, this has been awesome. Is there, is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them how they can find out, uh, how they can get a hold of you or find out more about what you do? Um, 
No, I don't think so. I do a funny little <laughs> weekly podcast that people can listen to if they like, which is called Rebel Scientist Podcast, where I kind of do a similar thing where I interview people who are doing interesting science. Uh, but otherwise, I am on all the, the usual. Having just slated all social media, I am on all the usual social media. <laughs> <laughs> Come join me on social media. Everyone's got a tribe, man. That's what it is. They're throwing out the yes. tribe. Come join my tribe. That's cool. And what's the name of your what's the name of your podcast? Rebel Scientist Podcast. The Rebel Scientist Podcast. Awesome. Uh, Sarah Turner, this has been an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on, sharing your, your lessons, your stories, your insights, and and just the banter. I really enjoyed it. So um, I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, it was great to speak with you, Dylan. Yeah, Thank absolutely. you. Absolutely. Have a beautiful and blessed day, and I'll talk to you soon. Take care. You got it. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.